0: the truth news network in a world where up is down and sideways is a way of life when the truth one moment is a lie the next and everything is your fault you need hope you
1: need clarity
0: you need tnn the truth news network
1: and dan newman you do understand that most of the stuff that you're told is true when it comes to our government. Sadly, it's not true. Well, good morning, everybody. Are we going to start in a contentious fashion this morning at Truth News Network's TNN Live? Of course we're not. What we're going to do is what we always do. We're going to peel back the onion layers and find the facts, find the truth, and make sure that everyone understands that it's our personal responsibility to do that. Yeah, I know, we're here every day, we post stories every day, and speaking of stories every day, have you read today's offering at truthnewsnet.org? It's the story of Roger Stone, everybody knows who Roger Stone is, just kind of peekabooing ahead till late in the week, Friday morning, you're going to listen to Roger Stone here at TNN Live, and you're going to learn a whole lot about him much of which, in fact, most of which you don't know right now today. Now, why would that be? I know a lot about him. Well, how do you know about him, Dan? I've spent some time talking to him. I've listened to him. I've listened to things he said, and I haven't put my perspective of Roger Stone in the context of what, for two years, almost three years, we heard every day coming from mainstream media during the Russia collusion hoax. Well, he penned an op-ed last week, and uh, we got permission to publish his full op-ed today, and it's up. And it kind of gives you a a look-see at what you're going to hear Friday morning when Roger Stone joins us. And folks, if you even have one shred of confidence remaining that our government gives us facts and that mainstream media give us facts, read today's story. Make sure you join us Friday morning for Roger Stone. You're going to find out just how many lies we're being told. i got to be honest with you, I, and I'm sad to say what I'm about to say. It's gotten, for me, like I question, every word that comes out of every official in our government's mouths. I mean, it's, it's literally we're hearing more lies than we're hearing truths. And... They are almost at the point of impunity where they don't care if we believe them. They don't care if we trust them anymore. Can this be the United States of America? Can this be the nation that those 13 members of our service, our military service, died for last week in Kabul, Afghanistan? Can this be the nation that fought a war to gain independence? And after that, fought several other wars to maintain that independence. And then in the late 1800s, we fought a war to make sure that every person, it didn't matter what their skin color, their religion, their nation of origin, their political perspective, none of that mattered. They were going to be free. They were going to have equal opportunity for everything. Is this that country? Well, let me just make you feel a little better about something. Yeah, that is our country. It still is our country. Sadly, a percentage of people that have been elected, either legitimately or illegitimately, you know, go down that road, Dan, don't go there. No, I'm serious. Whether or not the 2020 election was legitimate and fair and represented the will of the people, we have a segment in our governing class who feel like they have seized the power to make every decision for every American. It's no longer, at least right now, equal justice under the law. It's no longer equality as inferred not by a constitution, it was just mentioned. In the Declaration of Independence, that we are endowed with unalienable rights, not by our government, but by our creator, which means our government has no legal authority to take those away from us or bridge them in any way, which they're doing every single day. And it makes them feel so good, they want more. And so they keep grabbing more. And as long as we the people allow that to happen, they're not going to stop. They're not going to. That's the way history has played out in the similar scenarios that have happened throughout history. If the people sit back and allow it, governments take over. And they take over, I mean, everything as far as we'll let them go. So where are we going with all of this today? Folks, we have so many things going on. You know, I I listened to part of yesterday's show. I went back and listened to it, and it just sounded to me like we spent a lot of time on Afghanistan and all the circumstances around it. And you know what? We did. And you know why we did that? Because it's very important that all Americans understand exactly what's happening. Do you know here we are today? We're going to get into this in just a moment, but let me just point out one of the, One of the most ridiculous things that's ever happened in my lifetime in government. Even more ridiculous than Richard Nixon sending some henchmen across town to the Watergate Hotel where the Democrat Party had their national headquarters and they went in to rob it and find certain documents and tapes that President Nixon wanted. I thought that was the most ridiculous thing any president could have ever done until now. Our president, folks, he's in trouble. And unfortunately for all Americans, because he's in trouble, we're in trouble. Now, what kind of trouble is President Biden in? Well, let me just say it starts right here. He went to FEMA and actually went to the office and set up they set up a Zoom conference call with him to speak some to uh, some of the folks that are in responsible positions. Now, he's sitting at the table supposedly ramrodding this thing. 30 seconds. I want you to listen to 30 seconds of our president. Here's Joe Biden, and he's about to get in a conversation, a meeting with a bunch of very important American people in his government.
2: And thanks for joining me. I'm here. uh, uh, The FEMA director is on uh uh if you she, she, she's on and i'm here with uh with my se- senior advisor and uh boy who knows louisiana very very well man and in new orleans uh, and uh cedric richmond and what i going to do is make a brief statement here and then go through and tell you what we're doing but then hear from all of you if that's okay i know you're busy as the devil
1: okay that was 30 seconds that rambling went on for about five minutes before he ever got into the meeting. I didn't want to play the whole thing for you. I wanted you to hear how all over the place he is. Excuse me. I just popped a microphone with my hand. All over the place he is when he's talking to people. But I really wanted to point out something. Did you hear? He, he introduced his senior advisor. And he couldn't think of his name. I know him, who his senior advisor is former U.S. congressman from the state of Louisiana, Cedric Richmond. Cedric's black. And the president of the United States called his senior advisor a boy. Do you know how racist and demeaning that is? Now listen, I said what I just said when I asked you that question to point something out. In Democrat Party and the woke crowd, the cancel culture crowd, A white man calling a black man, I don't care who it is, what their personal or professional business relationship is, you just don't do that. And if you do, it's the ultimate proof that you are racist. Now let me flip the page on this thing. What would be happening today and would have been happening for 24 hours since that actually occurred? if it was Donald Trump talking and he called Cedric Richmond his boy. Make no mistake about it. Joe Biden called Cedric Richmond his boy. You didn't hear that? Well, it's just 30 seconds. Hear it again. And thanks for joining me. I'm here. uh, uh,
2: The FEMA director is on... uh, female Director Chriswell, she, she, she's on, and I'm here with, uh, with my s- senior advisor and uh, boy who knows Louisiana very, very well, man, and in New Orleans. Uh, uh.
1: My boy, Cedric Richmond, is Joe Biden's boy. Isn't it amazing? They don't even try to hide it anymore, the mainstream media democrats in congress especially women of color men of color in congress should be up in arms for their leader of their party calling one of their compadres former congressman now senior advisor to the president of the united states called cedric richmond his boy i could spend all day here but i'm not going to i'm just telling you folks we have some real problems in leadership in this nation, from the top on down. We really do. And yesterday, just kind of put the eye on, uh, the dot on the I, the cross on the T, as we pulled out of Afghanistan. And so overnight, Taliban fighters, well, they couldn't resist the temptation. They stood on Kabul International Airport's tarmac and declared victory. They actually ran a victory lap just hours after the final U.S. troop withdrawal. And guess what they were wearing? Oh, just a few of them. Captured American camo uniforms. And they were holding our automatic weapons. The Taliban envoys grinned broadly while holding those weapons in assorted, sophisticated military paraphernalia that was left behind by Joe Biden and our military on his watch. Afghanistan is finally free. That was Hekmatullah Wasik, a top Taliban official. The military and civilian side of the airport are with us, and we're in control. Hopefully, we will be announcing our cabinet. Everything is peaceful. Everything is safe. He also, Wasik did, he urged the nation of 38 million people to return to work. And he reiterated the Taliban pledge offering a general amnesty. People have to be patient, he said. Slowly, we will get everything back to normal. It will take time. And so, boy, they were, they were posing for pictures in front of um, U.S. helicopters, <laughs> just rubbing it in our faces. And then one of the Taliban spokesmen, his last name is Mujahid, warned the world to tread carefully in its dealings with the newly claimed Islamic Emirate. I hope you be very cautious in dealing with the nation, he said. Our nation has suffered war and invasion, and the people do not have more tolerance. Mujahid later told State Television restarting operations at the airport remains a priority. Our technical team will be checking the technical and logistical needs of the airport, he said. If we're able to fix everything on our own, then we won't need any help. If there's need for technical or logistics help to repair the destruction, then we might ask help from Qatar or Turkey. Now, earlier in the day, you may have seen this. Central Command Head General Kenneth McKenzie said 73 aircraft were demilitarized or rendered useless by departing U.S. troops as they wrapped up the two-week evacuation of Afghanistan. He said the Pentagon, which built up a force of nearly 6,000 troops to occupy and to operate Kabul's Hamid Karzai International Airport when that airlift began on the 14th, left behind about 70 MRAP armored tactical vehicles which can cost up to a million bucks a pop that it disabled before leaving and 27 humvees they don't mention the aircraft 200 aircraft and let me tell you what is in those aircraft black hawk helicopters drones drone technology and we were told that as early as this past weekend, Chinese officials were in Afghanistan negotiating with Taliban to get the technology and all of the data and information and manuals and stuff that came along with that drone program that they grabbed, the Taliban. The Chinese are doing that, folks. Remember. Remember. Kabul is just 200 miles away from the border with China. That Bagram Air Base there was our closest military institution to the country that is pretty much the most evil and the number one threat to our nation, as well as numerous other free nations across the globe. And the Taliban have control of all of that biotechnology they're using it going door to door today in Kabul making people come and look into this biometric lens and they've got they have the cache of data that backs that up so they can find everybody in Afghanistan that worked with the federal government our federal government over the last 20 years they're already pulling them out on the streets and killing them And so things are in pretty much turmoil in our military from the top down. Yesterday, it's so bad, folks, that 90 retired flag officers have formally called on Generals Mark Milley, Lloyd Austin, Secretary of Defense, to resign over all of this. It was a letter that was published by Flag Officers for America. The letter argues that both Austin and Milley either didn't do enough to persuade Joe Biden away from that hasty withdrawal from Afghanistan or they should have resigned in protest if the president insisted on his plan despite their pleas to the contrary. Here's what they said. This is just one little section of the letter. As the principal military advisors to the commander-in-chief, the top two military officials in a position to recommend against the dangerous withdrawal in the strongest terms, did not do so. If they did everything within their authority to stop the hasty withdrawal and the President did not accept their recommendations, then they're knowing the disastrous consequences looming, the retired flag officer signers believe this top military advisor or two should have resigned as a matter of conscience in public statements. So, obviously, now, folks, the credibility of the U.S. is in tatters around the world. The letter lamented that the consequences of Afghanistan will reverberate for decades, beginning with the safety of Americans and Afghans who are unable to move safely to evacuating points, therefore, being de facto hostages of the Taliban. The death and torture of Afghans has already begun, it's going to result in a human tragedy of major proportions. In addition, the loss of billions of dollars in our advanced military equipment and supplies that have all fallen into the hands of our enemies, that, folks, is catastrophic. The damage to our nation, to our reputation, is indescribable. We'll be seen for years to come as an unreliable partner in a bunch of different multinational agreements and operations trust in the u.s it's irreparably damaged look how little time it took for joe biden and his minions his clones in intelligence and in security and in our military right there with him the letter concludes by calling secretary of state austin and general milley to resign in the name of holding those in charge responsible and accountable for their actions or their inactions. There must be accountability at every level for this tragic and avoidable debacle. So during a press conference yesterday, Commander of U.S. Central Com, General Kenneth McKenzie, confirmed Americans were left behind in Afghanistan. He said there's a lot of heartbreak associated with this departure. We did not get everybody out that we wanted to get out. Yesterday, Secretary of State Antony, I don't know why his mama left the H out. You know, Anthony instead of that, it's A-N-T-O-N-Y. It confuses a lot of people and it tongue ties me. She should have known that. (laughs) Antony Blinken made a statement. And I mean, what he did, folks, was just doubled and tripled down on stupid. Once again, he said, we know there are a few people that did not get out, we also know that most of them stayed voluntarily because they didn't want to leave. And then they tripled down on what they've been telling us for the last couple of weeks that, well, we don't know where every American in Afghanistan is. They don't have to register with the State Department. So sometimes they move around. We don't have phone numbers. Listen to this, folks. I went to the State Department website. To get, I just went on Google, and I, I welcome you to do the same thing. I know they did take down one specific document. I guess I started talking about it last week. I'm sure others with a bigger bully pulpit than I have here at TNN Live probably did the same thing. We went and found the facts. Here's what it takes to get into Afghanistan if you're an American citizen, even if you're a military you have to fill out an exhaustive application with our State Department. All about you. Name, address, Social Security number, birth date, copy of your your birth certificate, your passport, and in this form that you're applying to get a visa, visa, which you have to have to get into Afghanistan, and you have to include a a copy of your round-trip plane ticket with exact information you have to fill in there where you're going to be if you're staying for a week or two in a hotel or several different ones around the country all the addresses and the names of the hotels if you're going to move there all of your local information that you have to have prearranged and approved before you even get permission to go there all of these people press secretary Jens saki Anthony Blinken, Jake Sullivan, National Security Advisor, Joe Biden, President of the United States. I would throw Kamala Harris in there, Vice President, but she hadn't even been seen. She's still maybe in Saigon over there laughing about whatever she laughs at. Every one of them lied about this. Folks, they know where every American is, except for those that have already been taken captive. I got... Last night I got a copy of a tweet, and I've not been able to verify it, but I think it's something. Let me let me grab this. I want to read. This is a tweet that came out yesterday. Um, it's from someone on Twitter named Emily Miller. Now listen closely to what she tweeted yesterday. We're dealing with Kabul. There are seven buses of female American citizens. The commanding general refused to open the gate to let the buses in. We actually have a congressman that has contacted the State Department to help us out here. Major General Donahue refused 10 minutes ago. The females on those seven buses, American citizens, she said, were taken by the Taliban. Does that sound like we uh, had our stuff together? Even if it's not true, folks, the fact that you and I are sitting here right now and we're thinking, wow, there's a slight chance that that is a factual tweet. That tells us exactly what's going on. And it doesn't stop there. Hundreds of students, their family members, and staff of the American University of Afghanistan were denied entry in their final attempt to enter Kabul airport and escape to freedom. Now, that's a report coming out of the New York Times. The group of about 600 evacuees waited seven hours on buses to enter the facility But evacuations were permanently called off due to the security threats. That's according to the New York Times. I regret to inform you that the high command at the Kabul airport has announced there will be no more rescue flights. That was in an email the university administration sent to the students. American University President Ian Bickford also described the desperate plight the students are facing to the New York Times. He said, the scholar pilgrims who were turned away today while seeking safe passage to a better future need the help of the U.S. government who gave them the hope they must not lose. Tension was added when the group of evacuees were alarmed when they learned the U.S. military shared a list of names and passport information of hundreds of students and their families with the Taliban guarding the airport checkpoints. That's in the president of the university's letter. They told us, we've given your names to the Taliban, said one student, age 24, was turned away on the bus. We are all terrified. There's no evacuation. There's no getting out. The students' worry and concern for their safety comes as the Taliban took control of the city on August 15th. When the city collapsed, Taliban fighters entered the university and replaced the institution's flag with the Taliban flag. The Taliban then posted a photo on social media of themselves to frighten the students, saying, this was where America-trained infidel wolves corrupt the minds of Muslims. Four days ago, four days ago, it was reported, a leaked from the State Department. I don't know if it was truthful or not, but it was reported more than a thousand Americans are stranded at the American University. It's been able to get around 50 people out. It needs to get out twelve hundred more. These people have been and will continue to be Taliban targets. That's from Michelle Kosinski. It was put out in a tweet. The tweet's been deleted. The American University of Afghanistan first opened in 2006 and was primarily funded by $160 million, the United States Agency for International Development Endowed. And yes, a lot of American students went over there. A lot of people want to get into international stuff, folks. A lot of people just like to learn more about their world, and college is a great place to do it. It's not looking so good those students from American University that got held up over there because the Biden administration didn't do anything. But remember, we played you the portion of Biden's interview last week on ABC News, their Sunday morning show a week ago, George Stephanopoulos. And Joe told George, we will not leave until every American is out so the president of the united states says it so let it be done and it wasn't done and there are hundreds of americans folks now what that means do you think that the taliban got a lot of stuff from the united states when we walked away estimated 85 billion by our government and of course when the government estimates it's 85 billion it's more like probably 200 billion That pales in the value of the lives of even a couple of dozen Americans. We've seen what the Taliban, what other radical Muslims, what they do with people from nations, from ideologies that are opposite, that don't believe the same way they do. And it's not pretty. And it's already happening in Kabul. I, over the weekend, I talked about it Monday. Actually, it was actually Friday I got it. It's a picture of eight Afghan men on their knees. Everybody's in camo. Standing behind them were a bunch of Taliban fighters. Turns out these eight were people, Afghans, that had worked with our government over the last 20 years in areas of interpreting, in security matters, intelligence matters, and we promised every one of them When we go, we will take you and your families with us. And on the video live I watched these eight men each, one at a time, shot and killed, shot multiple times in the back of the head. That was a week ago almost, four, five, six days ago. Now I'm sure Afghanistan's Taliban television network, when they start this mess, now that we're gone, What are they looking for? They're looking for, um, in some, many cases probably, gratification. Yeah, look what we've been fighting for for all these years and look at the power and control we now have over Americans. There'll be a phone call or two made to Washington and I can't imagine the amount of money they will demand from the United States for hostages, American hostages. I'd bet every bit of money I have right now, that's going to happen. And you know, we're learning a little bit more every day about the lies that are coming out of this administration. CENTCOM, that's central command over all our forces over there. The head of CENTCOM, General Frank McKenzie, yesterday he just I mean, he just popped this out. said, there are still Americans who remain in Afghanistan in the hundreds. He made those remarks during a televised address in response to a reporter's question. He added that the military and State Department are going to work to evacuate those individuals. Folks, evacuate. Evacuate means some kind of peaceful, arranged way to get people out of one place into some other place. That's over, Folks. That's done. If there are any Americans that get out from now on, it's not going to be because of the United States government. It's going to be because of some of these proud Americans that have gone in and negotiated with other countries and have gone in with private jets and got out, we were told, more than 2,000 Americans already. Mainstream media doesn't cover any of that and they're sitting with their arms folded and saying, "You know, we hate it." But that's just something that happens when you're in wars. So then, of course, Anthony Blinken didn't take any questions. His his I'm going to use one of Joe Biden's words regarding Cedric Richmond yesterday. Anthony Blinken's boy, Ned Price, he came out, he's the spokesperson for the State Department, he tweeted an op-ed yesterday afternoon as Americans were abandoned in Afghanistan, and he declared the State Department deserves more credit for its effort to evacuate Americans from Afghanistan. The guy's got to have a big pair, folks. And you know what I'm talking about. It takes a lot of chutzpah to come out after this craziness and demand Or even say or intimate there's a possibility that Americans ought to give them more credit for what they've done. Boy, the tweet struck many. As in extremely poor taste, (laughs) do you think? As the Biden administration admitted, it had left hundreds of Americans over there, some of whom were unable to reach the airport to get on these rescue flights. As far as we know, they never sent, one time I think, they sent somebody out, the military, to get some Americans and get them to safety. But they didn't get anybody out. I mean, when we're talking about hundreds of people, if we're talking about hundreds of people that we could have with some preparation, with some negotiation, with somebody having some common sense to listen on these telephone calls and to get involved in these meetings... And can you imagine Donald Trump letting this happen? Can you imagine Donald Trump avoiding television cameras ever, but especially in a case like this? So Afghanistan fell finally, completely, totally to the Taliban. Old Tony, he was on vacation in the Hamptons over the weekend. The U.S. embassy, which officials had assured the world would remain open, They began destroying documents, and eventually, they took off to the airport. The administration admitted it didn't know how many Americans were in the country, which is a lie, and the embassy gave Americans contradictory information about whether to go to the airport or not. I mean, they changed the story multiple times every day over the past two weeks. This whole thing was capped off yesterday when Blinken showed up, emerged, instead of Joe Biden, to insist that a new dawn of diplomacy had begun over there. So the op-ed that Price tweeted, predictably written by Never Trump columnist Jennifer Rubin, praised the State Department for its Herculean effort to extract thousands of Americans after the Taliban seized control of the country. And then on Twitter, Rubin also compared the Afghanistan airlift to Schindler's list, the effort by an industrialist, Oscar Schindler to save Jews from the Nazis during the Holocaust. That's an insult. That's an insult to German people, to Jewish people to Israel. It's an insult to every thinking, breathing American that has a just a drop of sense and loyalty and patriotism and truth. I, I, I am so mad today. I just can't tell you how angry I am that not only have people lost their lives because of poor management, poor government, but it's not over yet, folks. It's not over. And and this administration is taking a victory lap because they did such a good job. We've only, folks, we have only seen just a snippet of what the world is going to see. And every day it's going to be rubbed in the faces of Americans. Let me tell you what I watched last night. I'm looking at it right now on my IMAX screen. The Taliban, after the Americans left yesterday, the military was gone. They quickly grabbed one of those Black Hawk helicopters, one of ours. And so they they took off. They took it off. I'm sure they've got pilots that we probably taught how to fly Black Hawk helicopters flew over the city and guess what was dangling below the black hour black hawk helicopter a citizen that had gotten crossways an afghan citizen hanging from the neck i can't tell you it it, it was it's online if you can probably still find it somewhere you can watch the video never thought i'd see the day when the taliban would be using an american helicopter to hang someone another video shows the taliban test flying multiple black hawks over kandahar which is a it's an afghan city not far from kabul fighters recently seized control of kandahar from the afghan government after we withdrew And they're rubbing this in our face while they're torturing their own citizens. (sighs) Can it get any worse? You want me to answer it? Yeah. It can get a lot worse. And it's going to get a lot worse. Wow. Full show today. Got a few more things from over there. But we're going to get into some other other stuff. Yeah, when we sleep, folks, the world, the treachery, the terror, it just keeps rolling along. When we wake up every day, we're looking for just little bitty gems of good stuff. There's one or two of those. We're going to find them together today.
0: Just because you think something's right doesn't mean it's right. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't mean it's wrong. But always get the truth about right and wrong here at TNN, the Truth News Network. It's O-Rewards Member Appreciation Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Stop in today and check out store-wide savings, plus earn double points on over 225 items. It's our way of saying thank you. If you're not already a member, sign up today during O-Rewards Member Appreciation Month. It's fast, easy, and free. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day.
3: O-O-O-O'Reilly Auto Parts.
4: Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda.
3: Morning, guys.
0: Good morning. Ah, what is oh. that thing?
3: It's me, Linda.
0: Oh my God, it talks! Right? No,
3: it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks
0: hungry! Save the children! Save them! Stay back! I've got mace! Ow! That went in my eyes! Quit moving!
4: It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some.
0: Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home.
1: That sounds happy, doesn't it? This is Basha. Let's listen to just a little bit of Basha today. You know, sometimes, I don't know about you, but a good song, a song like that song, it can get you out of a bad mood if you let it. I just hate that we have to even think about needing to do that. Uh, (laughs) But folks, let me me just jump to it. We're going to be fine, folks. We're going to be fine. I don't know how. I don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to be okay. It's just somehow we've got to find a way to just wade through this mess. And, I mean, it is a mess. There's no doubt about it. And it uh, didn't have to be. It just didn't have to be. The I, I don't know if you were here the other day, but I just wanted to make sure everybody understands something about this. You know that old story about the rock climber climbing the sheer face of a cliff to get to the top, and he's really tired. He's been after it all day. He gets about 50 feet from the top, and there's a crevice that he pulls himself up on to take a a couple of minutes to catch his breath. And he looks over in the corner in the dark on this this shelf. And there's a rattlesnake coiled up over there. And so he recoiled backwards and the rattlesnake talked to him and said, Hey, listen, I can't get out of here. And if I stay here, I'm gonna die. Will you take me up? You're going up to the top. Would you take me up? If you don't, I'm gonna die. And the rock climber says, You think I'm crazy? You're a snake. You're going to bite me. And the snake told him, he said, listen, I'm not going to bite you. If I bite you, we're both going to die. I wouldn't do that. I've got to find a way to get to the top to live. And he talked the rock climber into coiling him around his neck and taking him up that extra 50 feet to get to the top. And just as the rock climber gets to the top and reaches up across to pull himself up, the snake just bites him right in the neck. And instantly, it shocked the climber. He lost his hands, his his, uh, control of their climb, and they both begin to fall. And as they're falling, the rock climber tells the snake, why did you do that? You told me you weren't going to bite me. Now we're both going to die. And the rattlesnake told him, you knew I was a snake when you picked me up. Now, let me tell you why i gave you that little illustration think back a few years remember benghazi remember the horrors that happened in benghazi libya and that american consulate there you remember all of the crazy lies and misrepresentations that surrounded that for months and months and months and still nobody has stepped forward to take responsibility for what happened in Benghazi. Four Americans were slaughtered, including one of them that was slaughtered because he was gay. That's right. A Muslim country, a gay American ambassador to a nation, every Muslim over there that despises homosexuality, and I'm not talking about homosexuality, I'm just stating a point. He was dragged through the streets. No one has taken responsibility for that, but guess what? Every person that was in management, State Department, military, when that happened in Benghazi, is in power now in the Biden administration. Whoa, wait a minute, Dan. Who are you talking about? You know who Hillary Clinton, who was then Secretary of State, you know who her number one assistant was? Our current Secretary of State, Antony Blinken. Do you know who Anthony Blinken's right-hand man was in the State Department then? Jake Sullivan. Jake Sullivan is now Joe Biden's director of the National Security Agency. Do you know who was the head of CENTCOM, which is the general who's over all of our forces over there in Europe and Asia? you know who was at the top on that? our current Secretary of Defense. So you put all of those names in there and start with Hillary Clinton. Oh, and by the way, the president was Barack Obama. Joe Biden was vice president at the time. So it's the same folks, the same philosophies. We should not expect anything different. When we pick that rattlesnake up, We knew it was a rattlesnake, and rattlesnakes do what rattlesnakes do. And probably what I just said is going to be quoted in the blogosphere somewhere today. Somebody's listening now, or somebody will hear about it and listen later, and it'll be out there. But it's true. It's absolutely true. i got to be honest with you. I've seen Jake Sullivan multiple times. Thankfully, I hadn't seen him in a while until this all began to happen. Well, yesterday, retired General Jack Keane, he's a frequent Fox News contributor, he said that Jake Sullivan made a stunning admission on CNN. Jake was on CNN, and in an interview, he said that terrorists in Afghanistan are looking to gain the ability to attack U.S. soil Keene told America's Newsroom co-host Dana Perino Sullivan provided the justification for why President Biden needs to leave a contingent of American troops over there folks that's why we were there from 20 years ago do you remember why George W. Bush sent the military to Afghanistan because our government then in the bush administration that long ago 20 years ago folks they knew that al qaeda taliban they were all being trained at camps set all over the nation of afghanistan and from there were launching attacks not just in afghanistan but all around the world including the united states and so our stated purpose And the reason that we went was to attack and destroy and stop from these camps that we were going after and these Islamists, the militant Islamists that were there that were training to kill people to stop it at the root, keep it from coming here. And the consensus was if we don't stop it over there in Afghanistan, we're going to have to fight it over here. And nobody wanted that kind of stuff to happen on U.S. soil. That was the whole purpose of it. But what Jake Sullivan said, the reason that he said it was just to be transparent because Afghans are looking to gain the ability to attack U.S. soil once again. We will have no eyes over there. We will have no real intelligence over there. And any way that we'll have a, any ability to do something about it, if we find it and confirm that it is, it's going to require, guess what? Massive military action. Wow. Keene said this, there's an Al-Qaeda presence. The U.N. reports as many as 15 provinces have al-Qaeda in it. ISIS-K also was there somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,500 to 2,000 before they got about another 1,000 released from the detention centers that the Taliban opened up when we walked away from that prison. Keene said, I don't think they have the wherewithal yet to be able to conduct an attack against us, but why would we permit them to acquire it? That presence that we've had has been our guarantor. It's our insurance policy that America would not be attacked again. And he just gave the argument for why we should say that's stunning. Once again, folks, remember the rattlesnake, Jake Sullivan. I'm not saying Jake's a snake. I'm saying why would we expect him to do different things? And even more news came out. Politico, of all places. Politico claimed yesterday that they have gotten classified documents stating that senior Pentagon leaders discussed plans for a mass casualty event. That occurred at a video meeting the day before nearly 200 died in that suicide attack in Kabul last week. They made plans for it, folks. Politico described the document as a transcript of high-level military meetings. They claimed Politico did, the Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. You remember, he was the director of CENTCOM. When Benghazi happened, Austin instructed top leaders in over a dozen departments to prepare for such an event in a meeting on Wednesday last week, citing these documents. It also quoted Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, claiming to have significant information about a complex attack by a terrorist organization. Commanders even reportedly identified the Abbey Gate, where the suicide bombing occurred, and Americans were gathering to be the number one risk spot for this attack. I don't believe people get the incredible amount of risk on the ground. Politico quoted Austin as saying. Now, Politico didn't publish the document itself, which would be a violation of classified law regarding classified documents and information, but Politico claimed to have verified its authenticity through an anonymous defense official. The Pentagon itself has neither confirmed nor denied the report at press time this morning. Classified notes said that a separate call occurred where Americans were making plans to close the Abbey Gate on Thursday, but chose to keep it open. Why? To help British allies speed up their withdrawal of their people. The British based their evacuations out of the Barron Hotel. Remember that? That's where 200 Americans were saved by a rooftop helicopter rescue. At least one, though some reports claim multiple, suicide bombings occurred at the Hamid Karzai International Airport on Thursday, killed over 180 people. Those 13 servicemen members. Following the publication, Admiral John Kirby, you see him all the time. He's the guy that gets out front at these press briefings for the Pentagon. John Kirby accused Politico of basing its report on unlawful disclosure of classified information. Hey, Admiral, you're talking to Democrats. They do it all the time. If you want to find out how to do it, call Adam Schiff. (laughs) Call former FBI Director James Comey. They'll tell you how to do it and not get in trouble when you do it. Kirby said, this story is based on the unlawful disclosure of classified information and internal deliberations of a sensitive nature, Kirby said in the statement. As soon as we became aware of the material divulged to the reporter, we engaged Politico at the highest levels to prevent the publication of information that would put our troops and our operations at the airport at greater risk. We condemn the unlawful disclosure of classified information and oppose the publication of a story based on it while a dangerous operation is ongoing. Now, he said all that, but he didn't address the content of what the classified documents were discussing. The fact that at the highest levels of our military and our intelligence community actually obviously knew and had a pretty good idea that what attack was going to happen, and it was going to happen there. And they were making plans for it and didn't tell military leaders on the ground there what was going on. They had a meeting to talk about it. If you've ever been in business, folks, if you've ever been in management, if you ever owned a business, ever done a payroll, ever had people working for you, one of the things you always know is never plan anything, reach some kind of consensus, even if the consensus comes from the person who owns the company, and then never do anything about it. That is the illustration of poor leadership. And I think at this particular point, folks, let me tell you what. I agree with what those flag officers said in their letter If these military leaders and the political leaders in this entire thing, let me just say this. If you knew or had a good idea, had good intelligence and were confident that the intelligence was good. And obviously you felt that way because you had these meetings to discuss that what might happen at that gate, the Abbey gate at the Kabul airport last week. And then you don't do anything about it. If, Everybody in that conversation heard all of what Politico said was in it. You should resign immediately, but you shouldn't resign before you demand the resignations of those above you, the people that had the decision-making authority and power to stop those things from happening. There are people that would be alive today, If those measures were taken, and yet everyone from the top to the bottom, and when I say the top, I'm talking about the White House, everybody at the White House, Anthony Blinken, Secretary of State, Jake Sullivan, NSA director, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, they all in disgrace need to pitch the keys to their offices on the desk of whoever they answer to and leave You have failed this nation in the most demonstrative way possible. How so? People died because of your, not your decisions, but your lack of truthfulness and decisiveness, which is the curse, the scourge of every leader, especially of the commander-in-chief. As much as I am a conservative American, I have done my best. I did it in both Barack Obama administrations. I can't restrain any longer, folks. The truth is all over this place. And here's the thing that just makes me angrier. I know the jewels, the little nuggets that we're able to get our arms around and discover and find out about. Those are out there, and we have those. Can you imagine how much more we don't know? And folks, this government has turned on its people. I mean, I listened this morning to the family members of one of those 13 soldiers that came back to Dover Air Base, and President Biden and those administrative folks stood on that tarmac. And I listened to those families, 13 different families. I didn't hear them all. Only three of those families would engage in any real way with the President of the United States. The rest of them didn't want to even talk to him. But I listened to the sister of one of those people that was killed and she stayed with her brother's widow, who was pregnant, to support her while she talked to President Biden. She wanted to make sure that Biden didn't say anything out of order. Just support her sister-in-law. And she said all that Biden did, she said he showed no emotion, no support whatsoever for the loss. He almost immediately segued into talking about his son, Bo Biden. Oh, Bo Biden, my son, he was in the military. You know, when he died, I know how you feel. I know how you feel. No, you don't, Mr. President. You don't. It wasn't your wife. And Bo wasn't ever in an active military situation. He was an attorney, he was an adjutant. He was over there to prosecute bad GIs that did stuff wrong. He never was in a war he never faced the possibility of what these 13 had happened to them and when i heard that folks it, I, I got nauseated it just made me sick at my stomach and then this morning all the pictures come out of as they're bringing the coffins off that transport plane and everybody is standing there dressed in black with their black face mask on president's standing there next to his wife And while they're bringing coffins by, he raises his left arm up and looks at his watch to see what time it is. That's the leader of the free world? That's the guy in charge? That's the guy that is going to build back better? And more than 13 times... He has said in public, when there's a press briefing going on, or an interview going on, he says this again and again. Well, they told me. They told me, and they told me not to. So who is they? Who's really running our government? And in some regards, some respects, folks, I'm glad it's not Joe Biden. Because the Joe Biden that I see and hear doesn't have the capacity, mental, emotional, or intellectual capacity any longer that can give him any kind of way to realistically lead a nation, yet alone the United States of America. And I'm one of millions, tens of millions of people that agree with that from around the world. It's so bad, folks. Our friends down under at Sky News, they're already demanding, and they say they have knowledge. It's time for Joe Biden to be impeached. Listen to this. This is yesterday. The last American
4: flight has left Kabul. And joining us now for some analysis is the professor at Curtin University, Joe Syracuse. Joe, since we spoke yesterday, a whole lot's happened. So how have you made sense of the breaking news this morning that 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 last flight has finally left? Yeah.
5: Good morning, Pete. Yes, I saw that. And been reading all these uh, these doomsday essays and reports in the United States about uh, everybody has abandoned Afghanistan. Pete, I got to tell you something. When I was watching these planes disappear into the night, all I could think about was that great lyric in Hotel California that says, uh, <laughs> "You can check out any time you like, but you never can right. leave this place." We're yeah. not leaving the place. So We're war's over.
4: Ch- so war's apparently over, Joe, but it's not really over. Not for the Afghans no. anyway.
5: No, no. Even as we're speaking here, they were debating a resolution in the UN about free passage of anybody who wants to go. It's going to become the basis of debating war powers acts in the United States. It's going to determine the future of Joe Biden, which looks pretty dim right now. Look, you never leave a place after you've been at war there. It's just uh, not possible. Now, the Taliban, of course, uh, they're very bad actors, or they're very good actors right now. We'll see what they're going to do. I think the big problem we're going to have with them is but dual nationality uh, we have a number of Americans there who have two passports and the um, the Taliban don't recognize uh, dual nationality you know once an Afghan always an Afghan which is something the British said in the 19th century too once an Englishman always an Englishman so we're going to have those kinds of problems but look uh, the whole world is looking down on them in terms of uh, uh, the education of women and children and the freedom of this and that and so, we're not gonna leave and, and, and the world has got this huge refugee problem. There are 38 million Afghans, they all can't leave. They don't all wanna leave as a matter of fact. So, we're, but this is a good chance for us to sort of uh, sit back and figure out uh, where we've been. You know, they say it's been a war for 20 years, but you know, it ain't really been a war. We haven't had troops uh, all over the place. I mean, there hasn't been great conflict. It's been more like a peacekeeping mission. So we call it a war. I mean, Vietnam was a real war. That was. That was something else again. So uh, everyone's watching uh, the, the Taliban very closely. We're going to have these huge debates in the United States. And I think in Australia, it's a good chance to, uh, for Australians to think about what their obligations are to, to refugees, and there are millions of them on the move, etc. And so, uh, you know, life's going to go on. It's uh, not quite as the end of things. I got a kick out of uh, listening to the general who was in charge of all this, Mackenzie, and they asked him about the equipment. He said he demilitarized it. So, we have all these kind of euphemisms
3: for
4: destroying. Yeah, what what does paper. that mean, Joe? What, what does that actually mean? what They've, they've taken some means, cords out, which means you t- can't turn the ignition on? That means you break up the
5: furniture on the way out the door. You know, you'll have seen college kids do
4: this. Okay, but there is that. There is still somewhat 350,000 weapons, plus whatever oh, else yeah, is they- there.
5: They've got that. Look, they got the Humvees. I don't think they have the mechanics to keep them on the road. They got Black Hawk helicopters. Uh, They don't have anything to keep them up. But keep in mind, when the Americans decided they wanted to go, and this is the big problem, they decided to go at the height of the fighting season. That's the dumb part, is that they took the 18,500 contractors with them. These are the guys that made made the food, kept the planes up in the air, were the mechanics on the car. This this is like
4: keeps the- Well, sorry, running out of time, running out of time, Joe, but I do want to get in following the midterms. uh, I mean, the expectation is that the Republicans will 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 get control of the House again. Is that when is that when impeachment for Joe Biden comes? Uh, Pete, uh,
5: as soon as the House gets 218 votes. They're going to impeach Joe Biden as sure as night follows day. I tell you what, if they had any, if they had their druthers. They impeach Hillary Clinton too. I mean, they're going to go. They, and because you know Pelosi opened this door, they're going to impeach a man over a phone call to Ukraine. You've asked for it. It's
3: yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, so yeah.
5: we're going to have that kind of turmoil. But look, this has been a, an interesting episode. The lives of the Afghans uh, have improved a little bit. Maybe it's going to go backwards. Uh, you know, and at the end of the day. It's their problem to solve. This has to be a decision done by the Afghans. And just keep in mind, today at the UN, uh, China and Russia abstained from the resolution to um, provide free passage or uh, safe passage and all that. So the Russians and the Chinese have made it very clear that whatever we think about Afghanistan, they've got some very different ideas about how the world ought to work.
4: Hmm. Okay, well, that's an interesting point to end on. Joe, good to chat as always. We'll talk to you. Okay, again, thank so- you.
1: Interesting uh, back and forth there. Sky News from Australia. Um, you, we, we have a, we have them on our show quite a bit, and there's a reason why we do. They seem to be plugged in. They seem to have a, a little more objective view on a lot of things. Speaking of other views on a lot of things, you're not going to believe in all of this chaos and all of this stuff. I mean, there's far, far Way more than enough stuff to demean anybody in our government over this, but in the middle of all of that, there are actually people on networks that are stating, maybe, maybe we deserve what's going on and what's coming down the pike. They say, maybe something that's good for us. O M G. That's up next at TNN Live.
3: KFC presents a Halloween tale. It came from the dark. It began like any other evening. They were hungry. Innocently, they went to KFC, where they discovered the new KFC dark meat menu.
2: Look at all those low prices! Have you ever seen chicken price this low? Yes,
3: dark, delicious pieces of KFC legs and thighs. Flavors like original recipe, extra crispy, and even tender roast. All at low, low prices.
2: Look at all those pieces!
3: It's KFC's dark meat menu. Whatever you do, don't eat it alone. <laughs>
5: Taking a family of five to the amusement park can cost a small fortune.
3: Oh, yeah. So, to save some money, we thought,
0: hey, let's bring the amusement park to us. Go ahead. All right. Uh, Step right up. Step right up, young man. Are you ready to ride the wacky waterfall? That's just the bathtub with the shower head running. Nope. It's the wacky waterfall. It's the shower, Dad. Waterfall. Wacky. There's an easier way to save. To get a free rate quote, go to GEICO.com. Then buy online, over the phone, or at your local GEICO office. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents A Word From Your Wallet.
2: typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in
0: Uh, 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 the... Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. The Truth and Dan Newman goes together like beans and rice, brats and kraut, you and the future. TNN, The Truth News Network.
1: Beans. I don't I, I can't do the brouts and God, it just turns my stomach to even think about it. Oh well, back to business as usual. yeah, there's um, there's some folks around that uh, they think maybe a little bit differently than you and I think about Afghanistan going on. One of those people would be from MSNBC, Joy Reid. I mean, she's an amazing host. She is so in the tank, so anti-everything conservative, and they just give her a free pass. They let her say anything. Well, yesterday, last night, she used the chaotic troop withdrawal from Afghanistan to take a shot at the United States on the domestic front. She said, we can't even make our own democracy work. So during a segment, she argued The U.S. was learning that we are not Superman, that remaking the world is something it was unable to do, and the U.S. needed to focus on itself because of its own struggles. War is messy, she said. There's no pretty way to lose a war. And she asked Representative Jake Auchincloss, a Democrat of Massachusetts, about how veterans of Afghanistan were feeling knowing they fought a mission they couldn't have accomplished. Auchincloss said the mission was doomed because of the lack of political partnership in Kabul, and because it was not an organic nation. What the heck is an organic nation? That's me asking. I don't know. He did, however, express hope in the social changes made during America's 20 years in the country, specifically citing an increase in literacy rates and the participation of more women and girls in their schools. I think America's doing some growing up this week and learning that we're not Superman. We're not Captain America from the comics. We can't change and solve and remake the world, she said after Auschenklaas spoke. For God's sakes, we can't even make our own democracy fully work. We can't even get our own population to accept being vaccinated. Our democracy is teetering as well, and so... We might want to do a little inward-looking and try to fix the one that we have here, lest we lose it. A cautionary tale for all, she added, mentioning vaccines, seemingly referring to the lower vaccination rates seen in various communities across the country. So didn't go into the dirty details as to how she thought democracy in the U.S. isn't working, how it could be lost, or what vaccination rates had to do with it. She has, however, been no stranger to warning of threats to American democracy. You may remember that she previously claimed that rural Americans were the core threat to democracy in the U.S. She also repeatedly hinted that claims of election fraud following the 2020 election could lead to the end of American democracy. Of course, she ignored the fact that tens of thousands of fraudulent ballots have been uncovered in the 2020 November election. They don't ever want to talk about that. They don't want any conversation to come up. These are the people, you heard her. She is touting the fact that we're going to lose democracy because you just don't fall in line with what the mainstream people think is factual like getting a vaccination, when you don't know what's in the vaccine. We're not going to get deep in the weeds today on COVID-19 stuff. There are some important things to bring up, and we will in just a few moments do that. But nevertheless, this is somebody that has a bully pulpit, MSNBC. It's owned by NBC. It's an online cable news network. So I don't know how many people listen to Joy Reid's show, but I know she's a hard leftist, and she is a conservative hater, a never-Trumper in the truest sense of the word. And it's one thing to have opinions about things, but it's another thing to take your opinion and weaponize it against people who think differently from you on anything. But they've mastered that. Opening the show today, you heard me get really angry about some of the thought process that goes on on that side. I don't want to go back there and discuss it any further. But isn't it sad that when we have a conversation about anything, normally, when I was younger, 10, 15 years ago, you could have differences in politics with people, but you could still have conversations. You could still disagree. And it, it was like, I mean, I had lots of people that felt differently about political matters than did I and I still do I have lots of friends that are that way I can tell you this one of my closest friends in college and college for me folks was a long time ago I started to college in the fall of 1971 I had one close friend from college that by the way lives in the Potomac Valley Northern Virginia very plugged into politics up there to this day. We can't even have a conversation anymore. Oh, we reach out on birthdays and anniversaries and things like that. And when one of our fellow classmates at Congress has issues or passes away or there's some big thing going on, we do talk about that, but we can't have a meaningful conversation anymore. It wasn't that way 20 years ago. It's getting more and more like that. And it's because there's been a culture being created and it's being put out and has been being put out around America very steadily and stealthily for the last 10 to 15 years. And people are picking it up and just adopting it as that's the way I'm going to live, which is if you think differently from me, the fundamental perspective I'm going to take is based on the fact that because you disagree with me, you don't accept truth, you're a liar, you're incapable of understanding facts because if you would just listen and understand the facts that I'm sharing, you would adopt the same mindset as do I. And it's never been that way before. The difference between a real conservative today, a real patriot thinking person today and a leftist or a staunch member of the Democrat Party is a conservative can share ideas and thoughts with you and have differences when you share your thoughts with them, if you're a leftist. But the difference between the left and the right is the right will say, okay, you have differences. I'm sorry you feel that way, but I respect your right to feel that way and turn the spigot off. Democrats like Joy Reid, they don't do that. They don't have that capacity. What do they do? Um, I mean, they'll attack you. They'll take everything within their power to weaponize against you and try to destroy you. It's not like they disagree with you any longer the way it used to be. That used to be two ways. Uh-uh. It's not anymore. You can't be a good Democrat if you even tolerate a conservative. And somebody out there may disagree with me. Feel free to give me a call. 866-37-TRUTH. 866-378-7884. I will gladly have a conversation with you. And we're not going to argue. We're going to talk, and I want to hear what your perspective is. And I expect you to hear what my perspective is. I think you probably know what my perspective is. And if I'm wrong, remember, here at TNN, Truth News Network, Our mantra is this, just because you think something's right doesn't mean it's automatically right. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't mean it's automatically wrong. Everybody's got opinions, and sometimes our opinions are based on facts. Sometimes they're not. Everybody has opinions, folks. But just because they're your opinion doesn't necessarily make them right or wrong. Facts determine that, and facts live in a world of their own. They don't need you out there to manipulate them and try to push them to fit a narrative that you want to adopt in any part of your life. And, folks, that thing going on in the world around us right now is what's destroying our nation at its fiber. Because truth is no longer allowed to just be what it is, it has to be manipulated and used. You can't change facts. You can change interpretation, but you can't change facts. Wow. So, folks, there's a lot of other things going on around us. This COVID-19 stuff, folks, it, I think just when it's about to peak and the conversations are about to settle down a little bit, it's almost like there's somebody out there that's disappointed. Hey, it's getting too quiet. We got to go out there and whip up the frenzy again. We got to get people angry. We got to tell the people they've got to do this and they've got to do that and they can't do this and they can't do that. Make them wear masks. Tell them we're going to threaten them. We're going to hold them down and vaccinate them if they don't want them. And tell them we're going to require six vaccinations over the next three weeks. I'm just exaggerating. But it seems like it's cyclical that there's somebody out there that's the button pusher. And I think that button pusher for the last couple of years has been Dr. Anthony Fauci. And boy, just when it seems like it's going to be Fauci quiet, you know what I'm talking about. He's going to go away a little bit. We won't hear any very controversial and abrasive things from him for a while. Boop, he pops back up. And there he is, and he throws another little hand grenade out into the marketplace of news. Did you hear what Dr. Fauci said today? We've got to wear seven masks. That's a little extreme. I think he only ever got to three. <laughs> I know he went to two really quickly. If you weren't here and and you haven't, uh, if you're new to our show and you're new to our site, you probably missed a couple of weeks ago. We made a big deal about it and promoted it. We're going to present 47 different laboratory test tests that were conducted in laboratory, I mean very lockdown laboratory, facilities, formal testing, all documented, peer-reviewed and everything. 47 of them. All 47 of them said there's only one type of mask that has the potential of stopping COVID-19. It doesn't say it will every time, and that's an N95 mask. And it has to be of the right material and the space around it where it covers your face and all all that kind of thing before it can even be. 47. We published them. Go back and look at the story, all 47. And at the end of the show, when I presented it, I told you where we got those 47 test results. We got them from the National Institutes of Health's website, the CDC. It was there. They published the test and the test results and then they're out there now trying to sell us cloth masks that don't work. Why is that? Do you know what they did? What did I tell you in the beginning of this just a couple of minutes ago? I said the difference between real conservatism thinking and oppressive or left-wing or I don't know, in-your-face kind of governing, the big difference is, the left have to pick up something and weaponize it to use it against somebody that thinks differently than they do. And that's exactly what they do. And in this case, they've been doing it and still are in this mask controversy when they've known all along cloth masks do not stop COVID-19 from being breathed out when you have it in you or breathed in when someone you're communicating with, breeze it out of their mask. It's not going to stop. Their mask won't stop it, and yours won't stop it. And so why would they weaponize that? Think that through for a second. Why would they weaponize it? Simple. One reason. To gain power over someone else. And they operate on the zero-sum game Method. What is that, Dan? Well, it was originally it applied to um, to money, and it's been used now, I guess, for a couple of decades to describe pretty much everything that is controversial, back and forth opinion, all that kind of stuff. Here's what it here's what it's based on. Now let's just use the money thing for the beginning. There's only a, a finite number of dollars, and let's just say for a second we'll convert every Every uh, currency on earth in every country just converted all the dollars. Let's just say as an example, there's only $1,000 total. There's no more out there. There's $1,000. And so if you want to increase your income, your revenue, if you're a company, if you're an individual, you want to increase your revenue, your income, there's only one way to do it. You have to go get whatever part of that $1,000 that you don't already have. You got to go try to get it from some other person. And for you to get one more dollar of that 1000 that means they're going to only have $1 less. That's a zero-sum game. And it it applies to everything in life. Goodness, happiness, joy, success, opportunity, all those kind of things. The far left, they think, It's a zero-sum game, that there's no more out there that can be generated or produced. That was what was being preached in the Hillary Clinton campaign in the run-up to the 2016 election. Now, on the other side of the equation, there's Donald Trump. He is a, a billionaire. He's an entrepreneur. He's built many, many successful companies and buildings and all kinds of opportunities. Yeah, some of them didn't work. That's what happens to entrepreneurs. But here comes Donald Trump in there, and he basically said, and of course the left, the Hillary Clinton, they tried to portray that he never had anything that wasn't given to him by someone else. He never earned anything. He never created any wealth. Well, that's a lie, and if you understand entrepreneurship and understand the free market system, it is not a zero-sum game. Folks, in political righteousness and truthfulness, it's not a zero-sum game. You can generate new goodness and love and affection and getting along and helping others make their lives better and helping make your life better. And it doesn't mean to do that. You have to go steal it from anybody else. And instead of promoting that, like Donald Trump did for four years, I mean, Folks, when it comes to money for everybody in the nation, top to bottom, he opened the spigot. His policies, his thoughts, his anti-zero-sum game philosophy generated and created billions of dollars of new revenue that turned into new income for people from the top of the economic spectrum in the United States all the way to the bottom. The left, they couldn't understand it. They couldn't receive it. Or if they did understand it, they wouldn't receive it. And here's the reason why. Subscribing to that philosophy, not just about money, but about everything else, fairness, equality. If you subscribe to that, to live in that, nobody has power over anybody else. Every person has equal opportunity. That Declaration of Independence thing that that was the fundamental earmark of here's what we're going to do as a government all people are created equal everybody has the same opportunity everybody doesn't have the same but everybody has the same opportunity to achieve whatever they want to achieve they don't like that because the control goes away In my lifetime, my professional lifetime, I did work some places where I got a regular paycheck. But I always enjoyed it better when my income was reliant on one thing and one thing only. How much I could personally make in what I was doing. I wanted to generate my own wealth. If I was successful at doing it, I would reap the benefits of my hard work at doing it. And I did a lot of things. Sometimes they didn't succeed, folks, but that's because I'm an entrepreneur. My wife looks at me. she she She's lived through it, 46 years. She understands, and she's benefited and shared in the benefits of thinking that way. And as you get older, circumstances change, and so do the thoughts and ideas that you have. I was much more aggressive in a lot of areas when I was much younger, I'm still an entrepreneur at nature. I still think that way. This government, from the top down, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, everybody you can name pretty much in this government today, they subscribe to a zero-sum game. And the only way anybody succeeds is if they take a piece of the success or the potential for success from somebody else. This mask mandate thing, this vaccination mandate thing, all of it is a subscription and it's the product of a subscription to a zero-sum game philosophy. And Americans in mass are throwing their hands up and saying, no, no more, we're done with this. We're going to go back to the way we knew that would work well. And that was where we are endowed with unalienable rights. And those rights don't come from our government. They come from our creator and you can't take them away. And you're trying to, and in the past we've given them away to you. We're not going to take it anymore. We're not going to take it anymore more and more. I mean, people are taking to the streets, folks. People are getting out in mass and demonstrating against it. You won't see what I'm about to tell you, but in Canada, in the major cities, Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, Canadians that are under egregious lockdowns up there, far more than we've even seen yet. I mean, they're arresting people for getting out. Churches, sporting events, they're arresting people throwing them in jail, shutting people down. Tens of thousands of Canadians are in the streets protesting that. Well, one English guy lives in America. Everybody knows him. Great guitarist, probably the greatest guitarist in all time. His name's Eric Clapton. Wrote a... uh, an Academy Award-winning song, I'd Love to Change the World. Well, he can't take this anymore. The lockdowns and stuff, he can't take it. And he wrote a song about it. Listen, here's Eric Clapton.
3: But this time has got to stop. Enough is enough. I can't take this BS any longer. It's gone far enough. you want to claim my soul. You'll have to come and break down this door. I knew that something... What's gone on wrong? When you started laying down the law, I can't move my hands. I break out in sweat. I wanna cry. Can't take it anymore. But this has gotta stop. Enough is enough. I can't take this BS any longer. It's gone far enough. You wanna claim my soul? You'll have to come and break down this door. I've been around a long, long time Seen it all and I'm used to being free I know who I am, try to do what's right So lock me up and throw away the key This has got to stop, enough is enough I can't take this BS any longer It's gone far enough, you want to claim my soul You'll have to come and break down this door tunnel could beat the southbound by train, Lord, please help them with load. But This side's got to stop, enough is enough, I can't take this BS any longer, it's gone far enough, you want to claim my soul, you'll have to come and break down this door. But this side's got to stop, enough is enough.
1: and what you just heard, Eric Clapton, a Brit. He's a really good guy. He is a, a great songwriter, one of the greatest guitarists ever. And uh, he's lived through some real tragedies. You may remember years ago, he and his wife lived in a penthouse in Manhattan, one of the high-rises, real high-rises. And their young boy was at home with uh, with a, uh, a nurse. And for some reason, this particular building had exterior windows that opened, and their little boy climbed out of a window, I think 60 floors high, and fell to his death. A horrible situation. Now, a lot of people, when something bad like that happened, they would just go in the tank. Eric Clapton and his wife, as much as they grieved the loss of their baby and such horrible and atrocious conditions, they didn't quit living. And they just pushed through it. And the one thing that he said helped him to get through it is to begin to face circumstances from a factual perspective, find the truth in something before drawing opinions and making determinations and decisions and choices. Novel idea, huh? <laughs> Base a decision or a choice on facts rather than on something emotional. That was, that was, a, that was a very meaningful song. This has got to stop. (laughs) It's got to stop. This lockdown mess, this pushing people away and taking control and seizing power because somehow a person or an institution or a government is enlightened and empowered, they have benign authority. Well, you elected me. That means I can make you do anything. Listen to this as one example overnight. Michigan State University. Been there. In fact, I went there and did a radio game. Louisiana Tech played Michigan State up there. And uh, Louisiana Tech beat Michigan State. Just thought I'd throw that in. Well, Michigan State has recognized COVID-19 vaccines, those that are not approved for use in the United States, that have lower documented efficacy than natural immunity. That's a fact that's laid out in a federal lawsuit. It's the second one filed by the new Civil Liberties Alliance against a public institution of higher education when they refused to exempt recovered individuals from a vaccine mandate. Now, we talked yesterday about the one at Virginia's George Mason University um, where a professor sought a medical exemption on the basis that he has tested again and again, and he has natural immunity. And the university said, George Mason said, nope, you're not going to work here if you don't get vaccinated. Well, he sued. The FDA has also since approved one COVID-19 vaccine on a non-emergency basis, and we've given you the inside scoop about that. So all this power is what we're talking about in the last few minutes is being attacked now by people when they come in basing their opinions on facts on facts. Unlike its lawsuit against George Mason, which the NCLA withdrew a couple of weeks ago, the civil liberties group is seeking class action status for this Michigan state university suit. Pfizer's Comirnaty vaccine. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but for those of you that weren't here, we heard last week it was just trumpeted all week long. Pfizer's vaccine approved, fully approved by the FDA, fully approved by the FDA. It's the BioNTech. That's the one they've been marketing for months now, and they've made billions of dollars from the United States who buys and pays for all the vaccinations that every American takes, The pharma companies are making kazads of money off taxpayers by selling these vaccines. Well, they didn't tell us, folks. They didn't tell us that there was something else, another vaccine they were working on side-by-side on this BioNTech vaccine. And the second one, the Comirnaty, C-O-M-I-R-N-A-T-Y, I'm probably saying it wrong, it was fully approved last week by the FDA in a very suspicious manner. Never before in FDA history has a drug been approved in that manner. And we gave you, we actually published and we read to you the FDA's release on what they were actually doing. Not a single mainstream media covered it. Everybody thinks the BioNTech version of the Pfizer vaccinations fully approved, they're using that to weaponize against us. Oh, now, now it's approved. You're just a uh, an anti-vaxxer. You don't believe in the facts. It's proved. It's approved. It's not approved. It was not approved. The one that was approved was this one that was secretly being done, and the the biological information on it is not really good, as far as its results, its efficacy. And the FDA said the two could be used interchangeably, but they don't approve the Pfizer-BioNTech. It's still emergency use authorization. So why is that? Here's the reason why, the only reason why. They want more Americans to think about it and to just fall in line. And when you go get vaccinated and you pick the Pfizer vaccine, unless you specify the new one, you're going to get the old one, the the one that's in emergency use authorization only. You know why they're pushing that and want you to do it? All of of the pharmacy companies, folks, when there is a EUA, emergency use authorization in place, that means the government's approved it for emergency purposes only. So if any body gets sick or dies or gets disabled from that vaccination, any of them, that are under EUAs, the pharmacy companies have no liability. BioNTech still today is in EUA format approval. It has not been approved, even though they've told everybody Pfizer's vaccination. The vaccine's been approved, fully approved by the FDA. It hasn't been. That other one, if you don't ask for it, and if you just say, I want the Pfizer vaccination, you're going to get BioNTech. You're not going to get Comirnaty. Comirnaty. Anyway, back to Michigan State. Pfizer's Comirnaty vaccine is legally distinguishable from the drug maker's BioNTech vaccine, which remains under EUA. The former is not widely available in the U.S. That's the Comirnaty. Meaning, Michigan State is still essentially forcing recovered employees, including lead plaintiff in this case, to take either the emergency use authorization vaccines or worse yet, domestically unapproved vaccines recognized by the WHO. This violates the federal statutory framework for emergency use authorization vaccines, which requires the free and informed consent of individuals taking them as well as the Ninth and 14th Amendment rights of employees, according to the suit. So, again, here's another case. Michigan State, they're using perceived facts that are not factual, and Michigan State already knows that, folks. They're using it to keep employees from being able to work and students being able to go to school if they don't get vaccinated, they're accepting the bad ones from overseas that have very low efficacy when lined up beside those of these vaccines here in the United States. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. So just a note before we leave today, ah, we're not leaving anytime soon, we still have a quarter hour, but wanted to let you know, you know, all of those Afghan refugees that are being carted around the world. A huge number of them are coming here. And a big chunk of them are going to a base in Wisconsin. 2,000 of them are already there. Now, you have heard all of the experts, Democrats in government, of course, in Congress, the Biden administration, they've been telling us, for days and days and days, all of these refugees, when they make their initial f- stops, the first one, usually they stop at an intermediary location before they depart for their permanent location in other countries around the world. Uh, that they're being they're being checked out, they're being vetted, investigated, their backgrounds being confirmed, and then. Only after they've been confirmed to not be terrorist and be legitimate, upstanding, yada, 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 all that kind of stuff. Some of those are coming to the United States. So a Republican member of the House of Representatives with a couple of other compadres went to this base up in Wisconsin and just went to check it out. Governor Evers of Wisconsin was there and met this contingent, and after it, he made a He made a speech about all these people have been vetted. All of them have been vetted. They're they're people that, you know, they worked with us as Afghans and they have these SIV visas that means they have been vetted. We know who they are, all that kind of stuff. And everybody's cool. As it turns out, folks, of the 2,000 that are there, a couple of really egregious things that just kind of slipped out into the world of reality yesterday. Not a single one of the 2,000 Not one has one of those SIV visas, which means they work with us, we know who they are, we vetted them. Not one of those 2,000 has been vetted. But you want to make matters worse? How do you make them worse than that? The general at the base publicly stated yesterday that these immigrants, these refugees, they can leave the base anytime they want to. They're not locked down. They don't even have to get permission. They can leave and not tell us they're leaving, and they can leave and not check in when they come back, if they come back. 2,000 of them. Can you believe this is being allowed and even promoted and lied about by our government? I'm sure you never thought you would hear that kind of stuff happen. (laughs) Yeah, we both know that's not true. So how do Americans feel about this? What's going on? I don't remember my lifetime, even when uh, Richard Nixon did his thing and was headed for impeachment, and was pretty much forced to resign because of Watergate and, and that scandal. Not even then do I, do I ever remember a president's support vanish so quickly in the minds and eyes of Americans. Morning Consult today reports that 48% of voters approve of Biden's job performance, 49% disapproved. Now what that seems kind of close to 50, 50, right? Well, that particular number marks a seven point drop in Biden's net approval rating in just two weeks, seven points. More voters now disapprove than approve of Biden's job performance. Now this latest poll was approved over the last four days, 16,000 registered voters. His net approval has fallen six points among independents, a drop in line with other polling released over the past two days as the president comes under attack from, I mean, Republicans, Democrats, independents, everybody is on his case. Even among Democrats, his approval rating is down. The number of Democrats who strongly approve of Biden's job performance has fallen 6% since August Fourteenth. Not a good time. Not a good thing going on for this president of the United States. A couple of new things have popped up. We want to make sure you get that information before we get out of here. We're gonna we're gonna get those and grab them here in the break. Back after this at TNN Live.
4: Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really, I don't know. Yeah, That's Just swing. I'm holding a... (sighs) Swing!
0: Ah! Uh. Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer.
2: Yahoo!
0: Standard carrier text messaging rates apply.
2: It's movie season. We count down your favorite movie classics,
0: including When Harry Met the Bathroom, Close Encounters of the Third... Bathroom. A river runs through
4: the bathroom. For someone suffering with sucrose intolerance, a favorite movie often ends in the bathroom. If you're experiencing chronic diarrhea, gas, stomach pain, and bloating, remember sucrose intolerance, or CSID, can be diagnosed by your doctor with the aid of a sucrose breath test. Visit sucroseintolerance.com.
0: With FordPass, rewards are just a tap away. Whether it's using rewards points toward things like complementary maintenance. Or for vehicle accessories, and with Ford Pass, a tap can also get you 24/7 roadside assistance and lock your vehicle. Only Ford Pass puts all this in the palm of your hand. Ford Pass, built to keep you moving. Hi, Tom Bodet. Motel 6's new, improved website lets you book a room and save more for what you travel for faster than ever. Even faster than you can find your keys, which you swore were right on the little hooky thing by the garage door where they always are. And we can land a robot on a comet, but we can't keep keys from disappearing. Oh, here they are. Left them in my jacket. Don't you hate that? I'm Tom Bodet for the new, improved Motel 6.com, and we'll leave the light on for you. In a world of weapons-grade stupidity, your defense is the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network.
1: In transparency, I'm going to give you my opinion about something. I didn't think I would do it this early. But the meter is running here now. What meter is that, Dan? Truth News Network, the meter is running on the time before Joe Biden resigns the presidency. I don't see how he, uh, he can sustain under these circumstances. I mean, there is just too much bad information out there. And folks, it gets worse every day. And it's not people talking about things that are conspiracies or things that people think. It's about facts that have been buried, purposely buried and hidden from the American people. That makes them worse. When the covers pull back and Americans get the facts. Tucker Carlson last night, on Tucker Carlson Tonight, I didn't see the show, but I was just doing some um, investigation for the show this morning and found this out. He made an interesting point that I hadn't really thought about. So here's what he said, and I'm going to quote him. So, on its way out of Afghanistan, the Biden administration left behind an awful lot of Americans, but also nearly $90 billion in military equipment. How much is that? Well, only two countries on the planet have a military budget larger, that's China and the United States. So, the Taliban now have the best equipped military of its size in the history of the world. So, what do they have? Well, he just went through a litany of what they have. I don't know if you've heard it, so let me give it to you. this is put together by the Times of London. The Taliban just received more than 22,000 Humvees, more than 50,000 trucks and other armored vehicles, as well as a sizable air force. It comes with four C-130 transport planes, dozens of other fixed-wing aircraft, and up to 350 combat helicopters. The Taliban now has more Blackhawks than many developed nations, and those are just the vehicles. Soldiers, Taliban soldiers also got more than 350,000 American rifles, 126,000 handguns, and approximately 64,000 heavy machine guns. It's quite an arsenal, he said, and it's all at our expense. It's a disaster, obviously. But it also makes for a striking contrast with what is happening here in the nation, the U.S. At the very moment the White House is arming our new friends, the Taliban, they are working hard to disarm you. Whether or not it makes the news, it's happening. The administration just announced quietly it is banning some of the most commonly purchased ammunition in the United States. This move will certainly and intentionally lead to severe shortages in this country, and that's why they do it. Joe Biden himself has said repeatedly he would like to prevent you from owning the firearms that most Americans use to defend themselves and their families, and those efforts are now accelerating. So how about this as an answer, Tucker said? No. No. You're not allowed to give more than half a million guns to the Taliban, guns that we paid for, and then try and take our guns away in this country. Sorry. That's not how it works. So shut up and back off. Not one more word about gun control from these people until they get back every single rifle from Kandahar. That is the rule. Interesting, huh? And on a final note, Britain's socialized healthcare system, you know, the one that the left and Congress, they point to and say, we got to go to that, we got to go to that. Well, they reportedly falsified up to 700,000 vaccine passport records since the beginning of their very controversial COVID-19 passport program resulting in many Brits being barred from leaving the country. In a massive example of government incompetence, health officials at the UK's National Health Service recorded false data in hundreds of thousands of vaccine passports. With Boris Johnson's government planning to introduce health pass requirements for nightclubs and other large public venues by the end of next month, the failures have further thrown into question the efficacy of their draconian scheme. According to a Freedom of Information request, the NHS was forced to correct 677,000 vaccine records, and there were 112,000 instances in which data had to be deleted due to duplication or correction errors. It's highly likely that the number of errors from the socialized healthcare system is in fact much higher as the need for corrections were only flagged after individuals tried to use their app, the coronavirus app, to travel abroad, meaning many more are likely to be unaware of their vaccine records being faulty. Can you imagine the chaos that this caused? I mean, just when I think the United States government is the most inept government on the planet, I hear about this from the UK and I say, ah, we're not so bad after all. Hey, listen, folks, a couple of reminders. Don't forget Roger Stone, our guest, Friday morning. He'll have an hour in which he's going to bring the facts of a lot of the Trump administration, Russia collusion stuff that many of us don't know, and I'm one of those. I know some, but I don't know it all. He'll be here on Friday, and anytime you want to listen to one of these shows, they're all each on Apple Podcasts five minutes after our show's over. They pick it up and publish on there every day, as does Spotify. So if you've got a Spotify account, if you've got an iTunes account, you can get them absolutely free anytime and goes all the way back for months and months. Thank you for joining us here today. Thanks for being here every day. Until tomorrow, folks, at 8. Well, it's not 8 here. It's 8 Mountain Time, 9 to 11 a.m. Monday through Friday, TNN Live. Have a great Tuesday. We'll see you tomorrow with more good stuff at Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org.